Hey, what's up, everyone? I uh, just want to welcome our listeners into our first official episode of the Late Returns Film Review. Proud to be a part of the uh, Mighty West West Network, uh, the podcast where we go back and watch these movies that let us all be banned from uh, every local video store because we always took them back too late, especially those new releases, you know. 24 hours isn't enough to, to, to catch these the gems. You know, boys, you know what we're talking about, man. Before we all ended up at uh, Mount Albert Video Easy, which I'm pretty sure uh, a lot of our listeners will know what we uh, yeah, can relate to it. Um, joining me on this episode, I've got the also uh, Stace. What's up, man? Hey, man. Thanks for having me, man. I love the movie reviews. one of my favorite podcasts to do. So thanks for having me on. Oh, okay. That's uh, very nice to hear, bro. Uh, very encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got those who cares, man. What's up, bro? What's up, everybody? Glad to be here. You know, uh, just just touching back on the, you know, how we how we came to um, find the name, the Late Returns um, Film Review. Uh, you know, it's it just wasn't enough time, you know, uh, because um, you'd go to the video store and you'd see the uh, coming soon, and you'd get excited, and like we, they used to have like ten copies. Of, or you know when it came on out of new releases, and when you'd get to the movie store, they were always already gone. Sorry, man. What about the those labels? Eh, the sorry booked out. Yeah, oh, those pink labels they put on the. Oh. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't see it properly, you say, oh, I'll get that one, and then you get that a little bit closer, and then oh, it's already gone, and then the oh, other nine are already gone as well. And like, <laughs> oh, he's returned the video. So like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like. You know, you'd book it, and then you'd go back the next day, and they go, "Oh, sorry, um, we're still waiting for Mister uh, for Stacy Tereani to uh, bring back, but he hasn't brought it back for four days already." Yeah, I had about six different memberships. You know, when the fines get too high, I thought, "Oh yeah, I'll try another one." It's all right. <laughs> you, know, nah, but... you know, it's funny because if you have a like, if you go back and you dot all that, it's like a migration. Eh? Like you start at the local one. And I started up at Lickin' Road, um, the video channel there. Like, we can all relate because that was the local one. And then after that, you yep. know, when you, when you start getting the letters <laughs> and, the, and the phone calls. And then when you go back to go and try to get another movie out, they're like, oh, um, do you want to pay some of this fine? Because <laughs> <laughs> And the clunky ass computer, you can hear, like, you know, making the real loud tapping noise. Yeah, it says here, Avenging Force. Um, it was four days of the Jew. Yeah, yeah. Oh, those, those are the good old days, man. The good old days. You don't get those days anymore. It's, it's a bit sad, but it's good to have these podcasts where you can reminisce on what it used to be like. So it's always good to have these. <laughs> Hi, out, man. Thank you, boys, for coming on. But, I mean, let's just uh, let's cut to the nitty-gritty, man. You know what we came here for, bro? Cool. What's it? Cool, what's it? Cool. What's it? <laughs> nice, they sound like the soundtrack. <laughs> For centuries, the Society of the Black Dragon has sanctioned an ancient rite of combat known as the Kumite. Open only to the world's most lethal warriors. It has never been won by a Westerner. You are not Japanese. I can do it. Now, for the first time, the true story of America's super agent, Frank Dukes, can be revealed. Uncle Sam can't afford to let you get hurt. I'm going to Hong Kong. Frank is going to fight in the Kumite, and we're here to stop him. An awesome human weapon. There's me just looking at it. Who infiltrates the Chinese underworld. 
I did not come this far to stop now. Take him. To enter a forbidden competition. Couldn't you just get me in? Strict rules. No press. You're telling me you never break rules? Where every fighting style, every worthy opponent, every deadly technique, I... clash in savage combat. Time to separate the men from the boys. And only one will triumph. Now I break you. I... International martial arts sensation Jean-Claude Van Damme in Bloodsport. The true story of the ultimate champion. That's right, peeps. Bloodsport, man. Frank Dukes. That's the. Uh... Oh, just hearing that, that makes me want to watch it again. Just hearing that, bloody, <laughs> that little snippet there, it's really, really inspiring stuff, man. Good. You know what? That's for me is the music, eh? That soundtrack, man. Hey, it goes with the. You know what that movie's all about. You want you want your action flicks to be like um you want you want to get hyped up at the same time. I think that soundtrack doesn't he? Oh, hard out. You know um if you saw that trailer like 1989 as and you saw the cutting and all the lines on that, you're just gonna get all hyped. You 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 want to go in and get the kumitsi as well, you know. <laughs> but I mean that whole intro, that whole trailer, that's a 90s, 80s, 90s trailer. You got the music pumping, and you got the guy with the voice, you have the golden <laughs> voice. Like when you when you hear that voice, you go, ooh, this movie's gonna be good. <laughs> you know, one thing that's good about that movie, it's real it's real fast, eh? It's like an hour and a half, I think. It's real quick, and it's real simple too. Like, you know, we talked about Commando in the last movie review, and it sort of like went straight to the point. That's all you needed in an action movie, eh? Just a straight, straightforward story. That's right. And the dialogue, I will touch on that later, but I mean, it's got some pearls in there. Like some of the lines in there, it's just all out action and just the writing. It doesn't like mess around with, it doesn't try and fool you by trying to be a real deep movie like The Godfather 2 or something. You know? It's like, no. this is this is what we're about. Enjoy, sit down, all you little Salmon kids, all you island kids watching it in, in front of your TV. What about you, Stace? Do you remember when you first watched it? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do actually. It was one of my one of my favorite movies growing up as a young bloke, but I'll just give you guys a few stats. <laughs> so it was two point three million. That was the budget for Bloodsport. So there was quite quite a, a cheap movie to make it and it made sixty three million. So whoever invested in that, they would be pretty happy with that type of return, you know. They um did quite good. And you talked a little bit about, you know, the acting and all the rest of it. So Jean Claude Van Damme, he was nominated actually for a Razzie Award for the worst actor of that year. And he didn't win. He came second. So that's, uh, he was runner up, which is, I don't know, it's good or bad depending on how you uh, want to see it. But Mac and Me, uh, that was the worst movie of that year. And Ronald McDonald, I can't remember what, don't know what that movie was. That was actually, he won the worst actor for that year. But yeah, just when you're talking about, you know, the first time I watched it, I remember, um, you know, seeing Van Damme. He was in No Retreat, No Surrender before that. That was sort of my, I knew who he was when I watched Bloodsport. But, you know, he was only had a, a bit of a cameo role in that movie, and he was the bad guy. But this was his first real um, foray as the star of the movie. But, yeah, this movie really resonated with me as a kid initially, because, like you heard in the trailer, it was supposed to be based on a true story of Frank Dukes. <laughs> and I believed that that was his real-life story. And, you know, what he, what he got up to and all of those stats at the end where they show him winning, which we'll touch on, um, you know, Justin... As I studied for the podcast and tried to rewatch it, you realized he sort of might have um, fudged a bit of his 
over-exaggerated some of the truth there, but uh, I'm sure we'll touch on that a bit later. But yeah, as a kid, I, I love this movie. It was one of my um, my favorite movies, and especially when you don't know any better. When you think that this is a real guy, Frank Dukes, and this is a true story, that just blows your mind when you're a young person, eh, thinking that someone could do that. So yeah, that's one of my earlier memories of the movie. Yeah, I think for me, like back then, I remember, like, I think that that was the genre at the time, all those martial arts movies. Oh, like, um, you were right, Stace, like, the first time I ever saw Van Damme, he was the, he was the bad guy on No Retreat, No Surrender. The slick hair and um, and that boxing ring. But um, I can't actually remember the first time I actually watched Bloodsport. I kind of get it confused with his other movie, Kickboxer, which is another classic Van Damme film. And so I remember watching um, Bloodsport back in the days, and that was the first time I actually watched, like, the, the whole concept of having a martial art tournament. We sort of had it with the Karate Kid, but not to the extent of Bloodsport when you had all those. It was sort of like pre um, uh, UFC on on the big screen. But um, yeah, f- for me, uh, Van Dam, that was the movie that kicked off his his career. So I think after that movie, you know, I was sold on Van Dam. So any other Van Dam movie that came out after that, that was me at the video store. Yeah, even Double Impact, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's another film. But now, yeah, like. Um, for me, the first time I saw it, um, I was very fortunate. Um, my older brother, um, he came home one Friday. I remember, I remember it clearly, and he and he played it. And I think I think Jack Misa was there, my next door neighbor. Sorry, to say his full name in that. And but it was this <laughs> grainy as copy, so it looked like it had been dubbed over. You know, at least ten. That's when dubbing was the in thing. Like if you couldn't get a copy of it. I'm sure some of the listeners now uh, would probably be like, what's dubbing? It's like, we'd get two video recorders, <laughs> hook them up, play one and record it on the other. So a bit of a history lesson there for you. And uh, I just remember watching it because all I'd ever heard about, like I'd go to the video store and I'd see the cover in that and I'd never get a chance to watch it. And then when you came home and I... After that, I, I was like, oh, I can't wait to get to school on Monday so I can tell the boys, mm. like all these guys have been bragging about the movie, and now I can I can join in uh, um, and, and talk about it as well. But it's it's funny, like uh, we talked about, this is like Van Damme's coming out party. Like before that, he had been on a few, you know, he had, he had played the bad guy in uh, No Retreat, No Surrender. Uh, we didn't know at the time, but he uh, um, he played he was Predator. He was the main bad guy on that. Any film after this, like there's a there's a run that he has after this. Well, he does Cyborg, Double Impact, Kickboxer, and that. I mean, that he has this amazing run of like movies that every other, every Islander or every one of those ones can go. Oh yeah, I, I remember when I watched it. Oh, I remember watching that or going to the video shop and and, and seeing that film. Um, Cam, you're talking about uh, the production company, the Canon Group. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, back in those days, like I didn't even realize, but if practically every action movie back in the '80s was um produced by the Canon Group. So they had two two cousins, Israelis, huh? Globus. Colin and Globus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so they produced all these action movies back in the 80s. So if you remember all the, um, if you're Chuck Norris fans, they did all those movies. They did all the, the Death Wish movies and all the Ninja movies that came out in the 80s. Was, um I can't remember, was Robocop one of them? Or am I just, am I getting that symbol mis- um, mixed up? I'm not too sure. Now you're seeing the OC, OCP, oh, okay, OCP, the OCP logo <laughs> oh, okay. looks like the look, Canon okay. Group logo. Okay, okay, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> Omni yeah, consumer products. I, that, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't pick up on that until you mentioned it, but now you say it, yeah, I see. Yeah, man, uh, and like how you're talking about how Bloodsport, it's kind of like, um, it was a styles, styles vs. styles, and that's how kind of MMA or the UFC was kind of built on. You know, the UFC, the selling point for the first official one was which styles better, and I think the... It kind of got touched on in Into the Dragon, 
you know, when they all went, like, it's kind of similar, it's a, a lot similar to Into the Dragon, where, you know, it's a really exclusive tournament where, you know, um, you have to get invited to, mm. and you go um, fight against um, different, like, um, fighters from around the world. So I think Bloodsport's like, a, uh, like at that time, was more modern um, compared to the In- Into the Dragon movie. Yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. Which also had um, Bolo Ying. Oh yeah, that's right. So that's the most. That's the common uh, link they have. Stace, remember when you used to work out and had a chest like um, <laughs> Chong Lee? Is oh, there. Uh... Well, I'm glad that I'm not the only one who thought I had a chest. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's he's famous for that. Eh? Like when he's running around, I've never seen a an Asian guy with like you know garbage can lid size <laughs> chests, man. Like two garbage cans. But man, yeah, he's um. And, you know, he doesn't get many lines, but they're always quite memorable as well in this movie. So, you know, I'm a huge fan of this. Mm. If I, if I, when I find out he's in a movie, man, I'll always watch it. So, yeah, for sure. I think that um, martial arts um, genre back then, you know, it was real popular with us. You know, growing up with the Chinese Kung Fu movies. Yeah. Watching all the Bruce Lee movies. Then he passed away. Then we went into... I remember all the other movies like um, the Kung Fu Kids. Those were all real popular ones back in the days. So, I think that martial arts um, genre will always, will always appeal to us as kids so i think when bloodsport came out that was just a extension to that you know yeah i think kung fu um films really worked back then because it was a movie that you could actually watch with your dad like you like if my dad brought home godfather one and he tried like we tried to watch it like i'm halfway you know i'd be asleep in the first five minutes or so because i wouldn't have got it back then mm-hmm. but i mean a kung fu movie you know after that you're going to try and go look at your cousins outside after you know watching all, the, <laughs> all these those films and that all right, so it's, uh, so that brings us to our first category. We kind of talked before, and our favorite one of our favorite scenes of the movie has to be the opening scene because I remember when I watched it, I thought, man, this, you know, you, like you were saying about the trailer, man, you, you just get excited because you see all these different styles in there. What about you, Stacey? What, what is it about the opening scene that, that you love? Yeah, I think it, it sets the tone for the whole movie. Eh? Like they're showing all these fighters uh, from different areas, different fighting styles, and in your mind you're sort of thinking, like you say, I wonder who's which style or style will win. Sort of like the how they marketed the UFC, like you said. But you know, any good fighting martial arts movie will always have a good, you know, training montage. So it's a good way to open a movie. You know, I think you know any martial arts movie that's worth its salt has a has a good training montage. So I thought it was really well done. It's a good way of introducing all the fighters. And different styles, but um, it's probably <laughs> now I look back on it, it's probably a little bit. Some of those things was a little bit on the racist side, but um, they've got this um, this African guy who's you know slicing coconuts with his bare hands and stuff. I thought, oh, rolling around like a monkey. I thought, oh, that's that might be a bit borderline. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember I remember watching it. I think you know just for this guy, like he was one of my favorite fighters. But you know the amount of time to climb up the tree and set up the coconuts and tie them all up. That's a lot of you know. Set up work just in five seconds of cutting the coconuts. I thought, oh, shucks. You need to be a bit more, you know, conscious of your time there with your setups and stuff. But nah, I, I thought that was an awesome scene. So, yeah, I, I'm glad we brought up the opening scene. Yeah, I think that monkey guy was trying to copy of um, Chong Li. Because Chong Li, he was trying to set up all those um, ice, those <laughs> box of ice yeah. on those on those ropes on yeah. that tree. So, you know, he was trying to top yeah. him on that one. But, uh, but you're right, man. Like, I think... That montage is a recurring theme throughout the whole whole movie because there's a lot of montage scenes in that in that movie. It's, it's cool to see get introduced to all the, all the fighters that, that are going to be in the movie. There's one fighter I saw there that you didn't see much. I think he got beaten by um Chong Li, but do you guys remember that um he's a rich dude and he was named oh, those yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. he was named those <laughs> and, and he's got the he's got the butler he's got the butler butler on, on standby there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's, it's funny because I wrote that down. But I mean, the, the awesome thing about this movie is that it shows the opening scene where it's got the flyover of um, Hong Kong. So it's kind of reminiscent of um, It's of the Dragon. And then it cuts to um, where the committee is going, going, going to be held. Mm. So it shows the, them all setting up. And then the, the music starts going. And then you're straight away, you're introduced to your antagonist, the main antagonist, you know, Chong Li. So he's standing there and you go, what the hell? Look at this guy. Like you said, he's got like those garbage bin lid chest, you know, and he's galaki in ice <laughs> with his hands. And it shows he's from Korea. You know, so everyone's like, oh, this guy, he means business. You know what I mean? And then it cuts yep, from him. Yep. And it goes to, it's funny because it shows the different aspects. So it shows Chung Lee, the traditional Korean fighter, you know, and he's, um, you know, he's, he's smashing the ice with his kicks in his hands. And it cuts like to the Palangi guy that, um, <laughs> that Candace talking about. The rich guy. The rich guy. You know, and while, the, while, while his butler's standing there <laughs> holding his, um, his robe and the man is straight <laughs> kneeing, kneeing those uh, um, blocks of wood. Then it cuts that cuts back to that other guy that we just finished talking about. And it's kind of funny, like, I, I didn't really think about it now, but yeah, man, it's borderline, um, <laughs> it's very un- it would be very un-PC if we kind of uh, <laughs> talked about it now. Yeah. But it's kind of, it, it reminds you of characters from Street Fighter. Like, you can relate yeah, every, yeah, exactly. every one of these fighters, they kind of like, you could take them from... Um, from Street Fighter, go oh, you know, if you go look at Street Fighter Two, some of these guys are based, seem to be based on um, on their mm-hmm. mate, like that that guy with the coconut guy. He reminds me of Dalsim, or you know, I know this is going <laughs> real deep. And then you got the sumo guy, E Honda guy, the E Honda guy, yeah, E hey. Honda, yeah, right. I thought the one, the the, the funniest, there's, there's that scene where there's all these guys, and there's the um, they look like they're in Brazil or something, they're in a forest. Mm. Yeah, yes, and, yeah, and so he's he's fighting the the black guy. And you've got all these brown guys standing around and they're all standing in Aloha's. Yeah. Hey, and I thought it was Hawaii or something. Yeah, well, they're all standing. Tropical island, Caribbean maybe, I don't know. Exactly. And I saw them all around Aloha's and I went, wow, that looks like one of those side ones that used to go. The man's doing his preparations at Maleolo. That's right. It was like, it was like a night outside Tanoa or something. Yeah, all the islanders standing around. Some, some people have no shirts on. Well, everyone's just watching them. That's right. And that's what, that's what I cracked up. I was going, hmm. I don't know. For some reason, the scene resonates with me. Um, I'm not sure why, but I've seen a lot of guys standing around with a lot of cheering on. You right. <laughs> right. You know what, guys? Here's a bit of trivia for you. That actor who played that guy. So his character's name was um, Suwan Paredes. He's the guy that um, Chong Ni, um, he broke his leg. Um, oh, yeah, he put the shin, his, the shin bone or something. Yeah, yeah. that's right. But yeah. that actor is actually Tong Po on um, Kickboxer. Oh, flip. Wow. So I heard something that he was in the movie. So I was trying to find him. I didn't realize it was this guy. Yeah, it was that so, guy. So I'll let you watch it again now, just for that. You know, it's good, good trivia. Mm. Well, like, you know, uh, when he's Tong Po, he's got all this. Um, like, what happens to his head? Is that all makeup then? Because he looks like a Klingon in, um, in Kickboxer, eh? He looks worse than the, the next one, Kickboxer 2. Oh, without oh I, I tried to watch that, but we won't talk about that. Yeah, no. yeah. Just yet, it's a, it's a tough watch. But um, yeah, so like from there, it cuts from there and then it goes to... So you've already been introduced to these guys and then you get um, introduced to Ray Jackson. That's the one where Stacey's holding the punchy pig. <laughs> <laughs> man, and the dialogue on that. I mean, I'll, I'll never touch on... You know, hopefully you can add, add it in here, this bit, but... Um, well, you know, that scene with Ray Jackson, he actually introduced what the name of the tournament is. That's right, yeah. So that was that was the reason why for that scene, I think. Yeah, no, but that's what, like, you know, that's great writing because you're, it's not even three minutes into the movie and you've got 
you're introduced to all the bit characters, and you're introduced to what what's it for, but you still haven't been introduced to the main star yet. You know, what do you think, Stace? Yeah, yeah, I agree. The, the writing it's it's surprisingly good. You know, I was worried about the movie if it was going to hold up, but yeah, when you bring up the, some of the stuff that happened in the, in the writing, it, it's actually really good. Um, some of the montages and all the rest of it, some of the flashbacks, the ten minute flashbacks. But yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you, man. Talk about the ten minute flashback. I guess that's another scene I really wanted to. <laughs> I really wanted to talk about because I looked it up, and according to IMDb. That is the longest flashback scene in movie history. I read that too. I have to disagree. Because isn't Godfather 2 one big flashback scene, the the Vito Corleone story? From whose memory, though? Oh, okay. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. See, that's not uh, that's not Michael or Vito mm. thinking about it. This is Frank Dukes going back to go see his Shidoshi. Hey. So it makes you think, because you say it's a 10-minute minute flashback, and they show... You know, Frank Dukes, he's standing there and he's having his flashback. So, you know, was he standing there just staring into the abyss for 10 minutes? He was probably walking and saying, you're right. You're just staring into the walls for 10 minutes, bro. What's going on? I was, I was just thinking that, eh? Like, you know, you're standing and you're waiting for your coffee at the BP or something. Like, and he said, is this guy, um, did he just, is he on drugs? <laughs> Leading up to that part. Like you're introduced to um, Frank Dukes when he's k- kicking the um the speed bag, yeah. And you're a witness to some of the worst acting oh. ever, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, sir. Excuse me, but Colonel Cook would like to see you before you leave on furlough. What's the problem? The colonel found out you're going to Hong Kong. He wants to talk to you about it. Tell him I'll be right there after I take a shower. But I'll have to wait, sir. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, like the, um, because you know when the the soldier he runs off to go tell the general whoever oh, that he's taken off, and the general was like, you know, to get those guys onto it. But it, it kind of makes him. This is where you go. Whoa, Frank Dukes must be really special because they're gonna send their two best agents, and this guy's getting so worked it. Sir, where's Dukes? He was at the gym, like you said. Took a shower, I waited, and he disappeared. What do you mean he disappeared? One minute he was there, next he wasn't. Jesus Christ! If anything happens to Dukes in Hong Kong, get Helmer and Rollins on this right away. And I don't want to see your face again until Dukes is beside it. Understand? No. Can I just add? Can I just add that as well as they've been bad acting, that's the worst voiceover I heard in the movies. <laughs> But you know that's the that's the thing, and then after that, you know, when he goes to go visit Tanaka, when he has his ten minute flashback, hopefully it's before he knocks on the door because I don't want his wife to be standing there while the man's having his moment. You know, he stays. Yeah, he's like, hey Frank, Frank, are you there? I've been calling you for ten minutes, and you haven't answered. He's like, oh, she's like, sorry, I was just daydreaming for ten minutes. But yeah, when we took look at that flashback scene, hey, that's probably one of the funniest scenes. Uh, Old young young Frank is one of my favorite characters on that <laughs> movie. Young Frank Dukes. I don't know what happened there, but this is part. I don't know. At first, I thought it might be a bit slow way because when they introduce him, he's wearing a New York Giants T-shirt and a San Francisco Giants um, cap, and I'm like, hold on a minute. <laughs> he's just like, oh yeah, just Giants. I just give me any Giants gears, you know. And you think, oh, this guy's not quite there, right? Yeah, that part where you know after he he steals the sword and then and then the um, Tanaka cuts the tip of his head off and he goes, oh. You cannot get 
katana sword by stealing. It is a very special sword. You must earn it. I wasn't going to steal it. You didn't flinch. You have fighting spirit. You're not gonna call the cops? Not if we make a deal. What kind of a deal? Mm. Does he have a fighter spirit or he didn't flinch because he's not a full can of coke? I'm not sure. <laughs> What's... Exactly. You know that but He doesn't blink, right? So he goes, you know, you're not going to call the cops. And then he says, not if we make a deal. And then he says, uh, what kind of deal? <laughs> And then they go back. I see, no, no, see. So they go back, and he goes and he talks to Frank's parents. If you look at that scene, I hope uh, if you just get a chance to watch it, he doesn't even flinch in that. No, you watch his eyes, bro. They're bouncing back and forth, and I'm thinking, is this, <laughs> what medication is this kid taking, man? Because he looks wired. You know, he doesn't even blink during that. So he, he either, like you said, he didn't, he didn't blink, either because he's got the fighter spurt, or because he's not a full can of coke. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I just don't know how he got cast in the role. They must have heard his accent. It's oh, you sound just like John Cole Van Damme. We've got to get you on the movie as the young kid. And if they heard his acting, and it's like oh my gosh, you know they had a low budget, so I think they just had to carry on with that poor dude and just yeah, I'm not changing it now. So oh, one of the good scenes though, eh? one of the funniest moments. Those his lines. You know um, how you're saying about how he was wearing the New York Giants jersey and the San Francisco Giants hat. Kind of reminds me of uh, our mate Roger, how he um, used to wear a, wear a blues jersey and, and wear the white kid Chiefs hat. <laughs> oh, mate. And now he's got to go to the gaps. Um... <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's two guys who want a full can of cookies. <laughs> Roger and Young Frank. You know, that's you know him? He probably wouldn't flinch either. <laughs> <laughs> no. I love you, Rog. Anyways, I had to bring that up because I, when I watched this a couple of weeks ago, and there's this this is leading into my favorite bit here, and this is the symbolism of this movie. It's kind of relatable to today. So after the training bit, where young Frank Dukes, he's being trained with uh, Shingo and uh, Tanaka. It cuts from that scene to uh, Shingo, where he's at school, right? And he's got these two guys bullying him. So he's getting beaten up at school. One of them's got a uh, black and yellow rugby jersey, kind of like the Hurricanes. And I thought, whoa, man, Shingo's wearing blue. You know, he's wearing all blue. He's getting his ass kicked by all these kids. Another kid comes over. And then Frank Dukes, wearing red and black rugby jersey, turns up and he saves Shingo's ass. Right. And I thought, you know what? That's kind of like the Auckland Blues of 2020. Because <laughs> Frank, <Dukes, laughs> Frank Dukes represents Dan Carter. Okay, and all his life, Shingo's been getting his ass kicked by all these other teams. And it took Frank Dukes, because his dad saved him, trained him up. Frank Dukes represents Dan Carter, wearing the Canterbury Crusaders jersey. And he came, and he picks him up. And you know what Shingo says to him? He goes, after he picks him up, brushes him off. And this is probably the worst acting of the whole movie. Hey, <laughs> you watch the scene. Shingo looks like he's looking past <laughs> Frank Dukes, like he's reading... Like he's looking at his mom in the crowd at White Sunday. Like his mom is in the crowd going, if you don't do your lines right, I'm, a, I'm about to kick your ass after White Sunday. So he looks past him and he goes like this. 
Someday, I'll fight in the Kumite and make my father proud. Oh, I don't know. You know, I could feel the pain. I, could, I felt like a blues fan at that point because I thought that's how they must have been feeling for the last, what is it, about 15, 20 years since. And I thought, you know, but this was when I first watched it two weeks ago. And you've been doing really, really well late. And I thought, oh, you know what? It does kind of relate back to the to the Auckland blues. The next scene, there's a photo of Sugar on the wall because because he because he got killed. <laughs> and I went, whoa, 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 whoa! This kind of like telling us what's going to happen to the blues this season, or I don't know, I don't know. Maybe, you know, I'm just you know, I'm kind of like that. Just about the symbolism there. Did, yeah. Did you, did you see it? Too? That's really good symbolism. <laughs> yeah, did you see I, it too, man? You know, we'll I, have to bring that up on the counterrack as well. That's good, man. <laughs> <laughs> I only I only brought that up because. I had to sit through you guys last, you know, listening to the counter-ruck, seeing all the blues fans, all, you know, seeing you all so happy and I'm sitting here miserable. I had to try and find a way, man. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, you know, we, 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 like they're, they're in Toronto, wherever they are in Canada, and you've got two guys walking around in rugby jerseys. One's, uh, I thought that was cool, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, with their rugby jerseys on. But, uh, they that, just needed to swap the gears, man. They needed to give Frank <laughs> things the blues gears. <laughs> Yeah, but I'll, that's good. I like that symbolism, man. <laughs> Do you have a favorite scene each that you're going to talk about, or if I think about my favorite scene, probably my best scene of the whole movie, round two of the Kumite, and it's Frank Dukes's um, two fights he has. He just wastes those two guys. The first guy with that gray outfit, and the next guy with the the red outfit. Those are my two favorite scenes. You know, you know that um, that scene that leads that's leading up to the one where he fights the Honda guy. Eh? So mm. that's the second day, right? Mm. So there's the so leading up to his fight, it shows the buckle fight, the kickboxer dude. Yeah, hey, I like his his style. I saw something. I found it uh, while I was listening. Do you know how you're talking about how the music's so important to the film? So the the instrumental that plays during that second that whole fight sequence and where he fights the Honda. Do you know what that's called? So Paul Herzog is the guy who um, composed the music. Mm. That's called Salmon Balls. It's, that's the name of the song on uh, on the soundtrack. So I was like, hey, like I, I thought it was a joke. I thought, what? how come it's called Salmon Balls? And then I thought that if you play the whole instrumental, so it's about two, two and a half minutes. Mm. At the at the end of that sequence or that um, the instrumental, after he's fought those guys, that's the one where he fights E Honda. Mm. And that's the one where he does the splits and has to go... Um, up, up, <laughs> up cuts. Up, up, up cuts. Up, up, up the nuts. Section, yeah. has to go up the nuts. And I thought... Is that why they call it Salmon um, Salmon Balls? I just thought it was a, such a strange name for a, a piece of like a a piece of music for someone mm. to write. I was quite proud of that, but um, I thought that quite I thought that was um, a bit odd and something a bit strange. And people probably probably um, if you want to check it out, just check it out on YouTube because I'm not being eats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a couple of things I think we should probably talk about. The two mark on the on the brick question. Mm. One of my favorite scenes was that. That coin grab where he get, gets the coin out of that other guy's hand. Hussein. So, yeah. Hussein. <laughs> I'm sure that guy was tonguing or something. He didn't, like <laughs> he didn't look like a, where he was supposed to be from, Middle Eastern or yeah. Arab or whatever he was. But yeah, man, why would I mind talking about that one, eh? Yeah, yeah. So that's the scene where uh, they're at the bar, eh? So, um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave the girl alone. He's the American shithead who makes tricks with bricks. 
Guess the Kumite starts one day earlier this year, huh, fellas? Look, guys, let's all no. just calm down, okay? She's coming with me upstairs. No, I'm not. If we have to fight for her, then both of us would be thrown out of the Kumite. Just for her, we could arrange this another way. Do you gamble? What is bet? You hold this. If I can grab it before you close your hand, I get the girl. If I cannot, she's yours. Very good. What? You can't do this. Just relax. Ready? Go. Ha! You lose, American asshole. He's a good line, man. Yeah, I think those scenes are important because this is where um, Mr. Mr. Lee from uh, Three Ten comes in. He plays another important part. Like we we talk about the writing about, but it's not. We're not talking about the dialogue, but it's just the timing of when every character comes in. So Mr. Lee, mm. hey, Mr. Lee comes in during that around that time, and he 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 states the rules of the Kumite and um, like what you know what's happening. He takes them. Like, you know, he comes and introduces, gets Frank and um, Ray, Ray Jackson, after they've played, been playing that karate, <laughs> that video game. And then he he takes them down to um, probably the most famous, like when everyone thinks of Bloodsport, you think of the man, the Chinese man standing in front of the, front of the door when he does his... Oh, yeah, right. Okay, USA. Okay, USA. And then they go and they have to honor his invitation, Frank Dix's invitation. But yeah, that's um that that scene. This is where um Mr. Lee, like his lines on that. I think that whole bit, even leading up to where Chong Lee after he does the dim mark, and then Chong Lee says five out of the ten words that he utters during <laughs> during, the, during the movie. Eh? Very good, but break. Not hit back. That's actually a homage to um, Enter the Dragon when um, Bruce Lee fights um, O'Hara. O'Hara. And yeah. O'Hara brings that ball and breaks the ball in front of Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee says, Oh, don't hit back. <laughs> nice. Just the line where he says, um, it was the people that are running the tournament, and he says, You know, you don't look Japanese or you don't look like a Tanaka. And then we have the, you know, Lee goes, uh... What's the whole world? He says Senzo Tanaka is his Shidoshi. What's the difference if Bruce Springsteen is a Shidoshi? Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. What's the difference? <laughs> he goes, what's the whole lot? <laughs> and then, then, you know, and then when he goes to pick the brick, that whole scene, like, yeah, like you said, bro, it's just, it's a good sequence, man. I, that's what I, like... There's so many things about uh, you can break this movie down into mm. two sequences or two scenes, and that's the thing about this movie. It's just like that whole scene from them meeting to the Chong Chong Lee one. It's just good lead up to it. I think you're right about the writing. As bad as the acting is throughout the movie, the writing sort of holds it up because you're not left any loose ends. Mm. There's always a, there's an explanation for everything, every character in in, in that film. Like, um, I think Lynn mentions that he's like the liaison for the North American fighters. Okay. So, so that was the reason why he was, um, you know, Jackson with and Jackson and uh, Frank. Yeah, he was there. He was appointed by the IFAA. Right, you. What? So, what's the what? What stood out for you? Um, 
stays with that scene. The, the lines, the lines are amazing. So, you know, when you talk about what, what your favorite lines, there's probably that whole, you could repeat line for line, that whole sort of 10 or 15 minute sequence. But um, yeah, you know, I, I remember watching that, that when he does the tumak on the bricks and they talked to Frank Dukes afterwards. And what he was saying was like how he could basically hit someone and they wouldn't get any bruising on the outside. But it'll go right through and you could, you know, damage vital organs without leaving any traces. So I was like, oh, man, when you're a kid and you see how he could hit that top brick, nothing to any of the bricks except the bottom one smashes. Eh? And then when I was just listening to him explain how it, how it worked and, you know, how he could he could do it to someone, their heart would explode and all that sort of stuff. And I was thinking, man, this is amazing stuff. You know, when you're a kid, you, think, you believe anything and you're just like, shucks. Yeah, he could make someone's heart explode and you would never know what happened because there wouldn't be any bruising on his body or anything, you know. And I was just like, you know, that was sort of how he was explaining how the death touch works and all the rest of it. So when you watch it in the movie, eh, you think, wow, this is real. This is a true story as a kid. And that was one thing that blew me away. And the dialogue as well. The dialogue is, and the build-up is, is phenomenal, man. This is the, this is the one where after he does the Denmark and then he goes, Son of the bitch! Is that good enough, guys? Son of a bitch! Son of a bitch! Son of a bitch! Son like Arnold on Predator. Son of a bitch! Is that good enough, guys? <laughs> Yeah, man. He like, loves yeah, his enthusiasm, me. He yeah. loves Lynn's enthusiasm, bro. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> now you. All the pit characters really play their bit. Even though they like him, Jackson. Uh, we haven't even touched on Forrest Whitaker. You know, Forrest Whitaker is, is in this movie, mm. you know, and, and like knowing who Forrest Whitaker is now, he's like the last person you'd expect. And, and especially his character that he plays in this movie. Yeah. You think about it, he's probably the best actor in that whole movie. Really, I think. Well, I thought Tanaka was pretty good. You know, this Shidoshi. Which one, Shingo or the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Shingo, bro. That 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 scene when um his character's name is uh, Rollins. Yeah, Rollins. Who's his partner? Rollins and the old guy. When they come to the hotel lobby and meet Frank Dukes, and um they've got their stun guns, asking Frank Dukes to to come back to America, man. But that moment when Frost Whitaker's going back and forth with Ray Jackson, call him a a thick face or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Taking you back, Frank. Let's go. Only when the kumite is over. Who the hell are these two scumbags? Just stay out of it, pal. It's not your business, okay? I ain't your pal, dickface. I'll be in the airport in two days. It's not good enough. Frank, read my lips. We are taking you back now. Don't make us use 50,000 volts on you, Frank. Excuse me. You want a sick box? You just stay put, okay? Stay put. That is some good acting right there. Yeah. Yeah, I think when you're surrounded by he's a B grade actors, he looks amazing, eh? So um He's an Academy Award-winning actor. And this is a B-grade movie. I'll have to look back. Maybe he was going through some financial hardships at the time. or I don't know how he ended up in the movie, like you say, man. He is, he's well ahead of everyone else. He was so good. So, Did Platoon come before that or after? What year was, was after, Platoon? I'm sure Platoon's mid-80s. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. First, Whitaker's mm. in uh, Platoon, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's probably just one of those... Um, Oh, I'm in Hong Kong. I might as well shoot this movie. <laughs> I need a bit of cash. Yeah, yeah. After that, 
Uh, what's a like early nineties? I can't really uh, probably look it up later. But Forrest Whitaker from then on, he just like he's on quite a big, quite a few big budget films. But mm-hmm. I wonder if he looks back at. I wonder if he even acknowledges that. Eh? Like, let's <laughs> put. Yeah. yeah, man. Um, like um, I think before we move on to the next category, I just want to talk about um, like the the last so the last couple of rounds before the final Frank Dukes and Buckle that fight, you know. When we talk about favorite characters, he was he was like growing up. Besides, when I watched it first, besides Frank Duke's buckle style, man, I really you know that was kind of something new. That was kind of new style that kind of Muay Thai um, boxing and that. Mm. And there's the fight that he has uh, that those two have. Like that's the kind of way you want to lead into the final. Way. What what about what is it about that those final scenes or that fight that stands out for you, Ken's? You know what? Just just thinking about it, man. This whole movie. The foreshadowing in the whole movie from the beginning of the movie when he's training that montage when he's training like when he's when he's grabbing the fish and then when he's um blindfolded and he he does the tea and he's um he's getting hit by by tanaka with the staff and he's doing his meditation so that scene when he's doing the meditation and he's getting hit you know he's training to um ignore pain so that was the reason why frank dukes beat buckle in the semifinals because remember they're they're training um those kicks yeah that scene when they're training kicks and um Frank Dukes won because he could handle the kicks Buckle was throwing. If you think about the training he did in the beginning of the movie, there's that part with Buckle, the blindfold with Chong Ni when Chong Ni throws the um, salt in his eyes, and uh, grabbing the fish. So that was the scene when he grabs the um, the coin out of Hussein's, Hussein's palm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a lot of uh, foreshadowing in that movie. Yes, they uh, yeah, it? it's, it's sort of like um, it's sort of like uh, you know in Karate Kid where he's getting yeah. to watch the car and, and do all those things, and you think, what the hell is that going to do? You know, <laughs> what the hell is serving tea blindfolded going to do? And then you say, oh, okay, now I see how that all fits in. <laughs> but the grabbing fish and all the rest of it, you know, it's, it's sort of a uh, goes back to what the movies were like back in those days. Eh? you think, oh, what the hell is the point of that? And then it all makes sense towards the end there. But that Paco fight, yeah, I really enjoyed that one. Like you guys mentioned, um. I do think, you know, like if that was sort of a real fight, like that's not even the final. So he's probably got broken ribs and cracked all the rest of it. <laughs> so by the time he gets to the last fight, he'll be on, you know, he wouldn't be able to fight anymore. You know, probably pissing blood and all sorts of crap going on in the build up. But um, yeah, I'm with you guys. Like that sort of style, when I first saw it, I thought, man, that's a style to learn. That's pretty amazing. Those kicks are hard. And he was a ruthless fighter too. Eh? Like there's that scene just before that where he's kneeing this guy in the head who's already knocked out and he keeps on kneeing him in the face. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed that fight. That's probably one of my favorite fights in the movie it's at a, the semifinal. It's, it's funny like how we're talking about foreshadowed, kind of um, foreshadowed like um, MMA as well because if you look at all the early days of the UFC guys and that, you know, they, they had the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guys and the wrestlers, but um, the guys, the guy that really stood out was um, Anderson Silva. And his he when he came his mutai like his knees and all that like no one had like had seen that when he came to the UFC or like they knew of it but he just he was a world class um, striker and then when he came into the UFC that's why he was like the first like there, there were a few guys the Randy Randy Couture and the GSP and that but Anderson Silva really caught everyone's imagination because of his fighting style 
mm. you know. And his Muay was the one that you know. If you if you go back to like he'd come in and he had fought uh, Chris Lieben in his debut fight, but then the guy, the champ at the time, was a guy called um, Kirk Franklin. No, not Kirk Franklin. Rich Franklin. Kirk Franklin's the gospel guy, but Rich Franklin, and he put the beat down on him, and he just he used that style where he got him in the clinch, and he just kneed his you know kneed his ribs and kneed his head and. And like people had never seen anything like that, so you know how we were just saying like that was the that was just an amazing style to watch. I think when Anderson Silva brought it to the UFC, or like you know, it just showed like when it's done right, man, that's unstoppable. But yeah, man, that's Anderson Silva for you. You know, um, like you were saying, like you know, when you get to the final, uh, Van Dam looks like he hasn't been in any fights because the man's face is my my to the face. You know, we did get that. Um Sort of like black guy, you can see, and he was bleeding from yeah, his eyebrow. Yeah, he had a little bit. Well, uh, yeah, well, I thought you know, like Stacey said, there would have been some bruising around his ribs or something. Surely, <laughs> surely, man. I think the other scene we need to talk about is um, Ray Jackson really um, not paying attention. <laughs> you know, Ray Jackson. That's what happens when you get a bit cocky, boys. You know, you got to listen to your mate's advice, and he didn't. You know, he's too busy going, "Yeah, Frankie." Next minute, <laughs> <laughs> I'm suspicious about his um entry into the Kumite because they they said in the beginning like you had to be a master of your of your style, and I don't know what style um uh, Ray Jackson was that just a yeah. bar brawler or <laughs> is, is that a is that a mas, is that a is that a martial art the king of maybe <laughs> maybe it's the king of um, king of Queen Street or something um, yeah that's a style. Champion fighting in someplace else or something like that. You know what the place going? Oh yeah, I can go in these these uh these fighting comps. Oh, you should see me after I've had a few beers. You know, but he he wasn't no he wasn't in any fit shape whatsoever. His fighting is is uh, horrible <laughs> when you watch his fight. So, exactly. Um, but yeah, he's got the he's got that stompy like you know when he's pounding the guy with, you know with his fist like he's and I thought what the is he? It looks like o- Obelix. <laughs> yeah, and then and the other ones where he's throwing the guy off the um off the platform, you know. And I was like, "Yeah, this Ray. What what is Ray? Is he kind of like a, just a take the punishment guy? And then you know, a couple of punches, a one you know one punch knockout guy, or I would say so because yeah. any normal guy would have died when Chung Lee stomped on his head. Yeah. If, if you know any, I think any other guy would have would have died. <laughs> All Ray got was just a headache yeah. and a trip to the hospital. And and he lost his Harley Davidson uh, bandana. <laughs> but uh yeah. But like the fight the, the final fight scene boys, that you know that's um I watched it again, so I I rewatched it uh, that fight the fight before I came. And a lot of the you know, it's kind of like Frank Dix is kicking his ass in the first like the first couple of minutes, man. He's just getting them clean. Like a couple of three sixty kicks, turnaround kicks, all pretty, you know, labored stuff. You know, Chong Lee's not picking up the, picking up the action, and, and then Chong Lee has to go to the what I'm going to call the Susie, like the All Blacks of '95, and hits it. Um, he goes in and gets some strange substance. What, what what was it? Was it salt? I think it was salt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And then, man, mm. it, it changes everything from there, eh? You know. But luckily. He was training blindfolded back in the day, so it took him. It took him a couple of minutes to realize he had the training for it, because you know he was screaming. 
yeah. <laughs> he probably forgot that he had that he had the training, so he just realized, and then that's when he quieted it down. Like, oh, that's right, I got the power. So I know how to. I know how to. I know how to fight blind. <laughs> Like you say, he's screaming for two minutes. I'm not sure why Chokey doesn't just kick him in the face while he's down there. The fight's over and he wins, you know? He just says, oh, no, we'll just let him scream for a couple of minutes and then we'll get to it. Well, I thought that was that was one of those funny scenes eh, where, you know, he's just thinking about contemplating his own life for two minutes and, okay, yeah, we'll fight now. I just... What I, I, I found this, uh, this thing, so I was look, looking for some research on Frank Dukes and they interviewed him and he said, yeah, Chong Lee's based on a real guy, apparently, according to uh, Frank Dukes, who's been renowned for, you know, being a bit of an eat-ass. But yeah, when they tried to get hold of Chong Lee, the real Chong Lee, he had apparently passed away, so they couldn't get hold of him. But he said that the um, the blinding in, in the final was was true. So, um, yeah, this, this is his quote. He says, in the movie, the incident is shown as him intentionally tossing powder but it was actually beads of sweat and like liniment that was all over Chong Lee's body. And it was like rub, rubbed in his eyes and he got temporarily burnt eyes. So he was blind for the final, according to the real Frank Dukes. So that was, they, they, they over-dramatized it for the movie, but he said that was sort of a, um, a, a sort of based on some fact, according to the, the real Frank Dukes. So I thought that was real interesting. What what I loved about Frank Dukes in that final is the care he has for the referee. <laughs> and I thought, man, you was know, it after he's stolen them to well, that's, that's uh, right. do the flying kick? You know when, um, which is the uh, cover on the video, by the way. Oh, that's right, that's right. Where where you know Chong Lee throws him down, and then good old you know good old Frank Dukes uses him to to jump off his back and to lucky Chong Lee in the face. Mm. Even like towards that, even while he's blind, he's looking like he's taking care, of, like he's. He's keeping Chong Lee away and looking after the ref. What it pisses me off is the look on the ref's face, like what, what, what what's happening here? You know, dude, you know, get out of the way, man. The guy's half blind. You just finished screaming for two minutes. <laughs> or maybe stop the fighting. Maybe get him some water or something. You yeah. know, like if that was real MMA, you think, hold on a minute, this guy's got something in his eye. We'll just let him wash his eyes out, then carry on. You know, like what kind of a ref is that? You know, you guys are getting killed out there. He doesn't do anything. <laughs> this guy's blind. Yeah, they carry on. There was one weird part in that fight when um after after he was blinded and then he he came to and he was doing those um, roundhouse kicks three in a row four in a row and um yeah. Chong Lee he was just ducking them but what the hell was that um Janice doing just cracking up laughing in the crowd yeah, huh? yeah. that's like hey what the hell <laughs> first of all you didn't want him to fight you were complaining to the cops and that's why the cops came and now you were laughing at what, what? <laughs> Janice, you know, yeah, that's her first, her first fight, and she's already an expert saying, oh, I'm just laughing at her. I wouldn't have done that, you know, like she's some sort of expert now. You know? <laughs> that's another character we didn't even touch on, you know. I'm, I'm pretty sure Van Damme writes into his um, into the scripts that he has to at least do the splits five times a minimum or five times uh, a movie. Yeah. Because... That was his thing, eh? Yeah, that was his, his go-to kind of, you know, if you count back, he's probably got about six... Six sexual scenes where he's doing it, where he's meditating, where he's getting trained from Tanaka, where he's uh, does it to um, do the uppercut, you know. Good old Van Damme, mate, you know, just the goods. Yeah, like that's no, nah, that 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 whole last scene, eh, boys, like, like we're saying, like, that's the scene, that's the one when you're a kid, like, oh man, yeah, kick his ass, you know. 
And then he finally beats Chong Ni with the hurricane kick. <laughs> and th- that's what um what started the the video game me, eh? uh Street Fighter. Oh, that movie yeah. Was it that? I know that uh, Mortal Kombat took all their stuff from um from Bloodsport. You know, I'm sorry, I, I, to take it all the way back, there's a lot of Palangi people in that tournament, eh? Like, there's a, like there's a lot of middle-aged um, white men um, at the Kumite. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, I was like, split man, is there any Palangis getting invited to these um these tournaments? All right, so we've summed up uh, all our favourite scenes of the film, but, you know, not every film's perfect, and um, there's some straight cheese scenes in this movie, man. And we're going to touch on that. Cams, bro, what's your what's one of the cheesiest scenes that you can think of in this? Oh, man, there are so many. Uh, uh, but one that, because I, I, I recently watched the movie again uh, yesterday, and I laughed at the, you know, the, the chase scene when Rollins and oh, his yeah. partner was... <laughs> running through Hong Kong. Running through Hong Kong, and they're chasing Frank Dukes. But the scene when he jumps over the um that steel fence, crosses the road, jumps over the fence again, and then sort of like, Leans on the fence to like sort of like pose to sort to act like he's waiting for them, yeah. and then he and then he starts running again, and he does a little flick of his uh his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was uh that was like, but then the whole chasing eh? like he's running around, and he's sort of like running in circles. Eh? He's waiting for them, then he runs off again, and oh man, mm. yeah, that was um. Uh, That's one of those um like the scene like if there's a scene that you could do without in the film. That's the that's that scene there, eh? Well, they could have made it less cheesy, because it's but some it makes um Rollins in that. I mean, they've already made them look like um like Gumbies, like they made them look like those those cops, um kind of like who are the cops from Beverly Hills Cop? You know, um Taggart and like they make him look like the bumbling <laughs> yep. bumbling police who don't know what they're doing, mm. and that's what like, yep. that's the way they um that you picture um Rollins and his partner as well. What about you, Stace? What's um What's the straight cheese scene? Uh, one for me was right, that scene right at the end where um, where Frank Deuce goes to visit Jackson in the hospital. Oh, yeah, man. And, you know, <laughs> Jackson's got this weird bandage on his head from when he got kicked in the – when he got stomped. And, um, you know, he gives him back his headband. He said, hey, keep, keep your clothes on or something like this. And they have this massive hug. By the way, next time you fight, try to keep your clothes on. Any time, any place, anywhere. If you ever need me, I'll be there. I love you, my friend. Me too. This, this really strong bromance, but we talked about like when we did Commando, the timeline. Now it's like a real short film, but that Kumite is only three days. These guys are acting like they're best buddies and they, they love each other. They've known each other for three days, man. He goes to the hospital and he brings his one night stand along for their reporter. He just met, like they've all made, and like he's with her now after one night. And I'm like, man, you guys are. It's uh, way over the top, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he tells me he for, loves for the mate. timeline. For yeah. the timeline, yeah. man. <laughs> You're right. And the one where he's, he's, he's in the hospital, he's drinking his beers and shit. I'm like, come on, you don't drink your beers when you've got a concussion in hospital, man. Come on, brother. But I, it's one of those scenes they are just like shit. That reminds me of the other funny scene before that, like when um when Jackson was first in the hospital, and then Jenna she was she was mad because you know someone could die in the the Kumite, and um she she runs off, and then Lynn comes talks to um, Frank Dukes. You're blowing it, Frank. 
Forget about the girl. Forget about getting back at Chongli for Ray. You have a chance to take it all tomorrow. Do you understand? You can be the first Westerner to win this thing. But you got to have a clear head. You hear me? You hear me? Forget about the girl. <laughs> you know, yeah. you could be the Matt first. He's been training his whole life for the Kumite. He meets the one girl one night that's it's completely off path. I'm like, come on, bro. It must have been his underwear flicked any time. After, after he got out of bed and seen where I was going, what the hell is that, man? Like, we does that little thing. I was going, mate, that's just the most unnecessary scene. But uh, to me, the cheesiest bit where it's leading up to that, where in the final scene, where he's got um, he's got Chong Lee's head in the, like he's like in the, the kind of hold, and he's going, And you say it, and I'm just waiting for to <laughs> like, hey, God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought, you know, and, and she brings it up. And she is, she made him, you know, she says to um, Jackson, he made him say it, and he's, oh man, shout out Frankie, or something like Mate, or Mate. Frankie. Frankie. But you know, when he's going, say it, like he's doing, and I was going, bro, man, the false thing was just like this, That whole bit, sorry, man, now that you've talked about that whole bit, and the hospital scene is just, just <laughs> too much. It's, uh, it's quite funny because I think when they're trying to add comedy to the movie, like the chase scene, and then the um the you remember that um the rich uh, Chinese oh you could um, you could yeah <laughs> gambler guy yeah yeah and then yeah. when he puts the money in the collar of, of the organizer and then when Frank Dude shows up he takes it again <laughs> those are the cheesiest scenes are uh, when they try to add comedy into the movie well that's that's where Lee comes in like he adds all these little bit players they they, they all play their part mm. like yep, it's yep. kind of like there's some bits in there like you just you, you just wouldn't write you just would never see them in a movie <laughs> today yeah. Because they just wouldn't even get past the... But, the, man, but nothing tops uh, Young Frank, man. Oh, yeah, no, no. Nothing tops that. That that whole bit, man, is my favourite. <laughs> I, You know, I could watch that. That whole... You know, like we're talking about... We've already talked about it. Favourite scenes. The first 15, 20 minutes, man, uh, you laugh. You get inspired. Every kind of emotion that you can have is on it, man. Okay, so um, we had to rewatch this movie a couple of times uh, to prepare for this for this podcast. One of the last categories... Does the film still hold up? For me, it does. Because I remember um, all the movies are around that time. There's American Ninja. There's Kung Fu Kids. All of those kind of missing in action. So I went back and, and rewatched those movies years ago, a couple of years ago. And I, and I was like, flip, man. How did I even get through? How, like, American Ninja is the worst. When I watched it again, I thought, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And this is one of the movies that I used to take back real late because I watched it, you know, you know, five, six times as much as I could. When you watch Bloodsport, you don't get that, you know, it still kind of holds up. So that's like, like how we talked about Commando, does, you know, how Commando still holds up. The reason why we're talking about Bloodsport now is because... To me, it still holds up because I I still enjoy watching it, you know, because it's the, the pacing's good, mm. the fight scenes are good. There's a bit of humor, bit of cheese in there. The, there's funny characters. The dialogue is, you know, <laughs> it's pretty rough, but you know, but it's good. So to me, it holds up, and it's a movie 
where I, I can still watch again. Like I didn't, because I watched it at least four or five times in preparation for this um, episode. And I still still would pick up little things. And that's how I thought, this is a movie I enjoy because I'm still cracking up with the jokes even though it's coming up. I'm realising how bad some of the acting is, but it holds up. So when you put it up against Joe from uh, American Ninja, uh, Mr. Michael Dirkoff, you know why why Van Damme still, uh, his movies still hold up. Camps? You know, for me, like, I think this movie holds up. And I think that's a testament to the writing. I mean, we, we talked about it before. There's, there's a lot of bad acting going on, but... You know, it's, it's got some good writing. Like, there's one scene when Tanaka, after his son dies, he, he sort of mentions that he lost his first family in um, Hiroshima. And, you know, now he's lost his uh, second kid. But but that just gives context to his character. You know, so you can understand why he's, like, sort of serious, being the way he is. You know, just little things like that. And also the, the pace of the movie. If you think about it, it's real simple, right? It's a, it's a tournament. It's a secret martial arts tournament. And there's a guy named Frank Dukes. He's um, participating in the in this tournament. And that's all it is. As a fan of action movies, you know, that's all you want to see. You don't need a whole romance thing with, you know, you don't need a whole background. It's just sort of like straight to the point. So I think it holds up in that way. You're just in what you're in for, if you know what I mean. If you're a fan of action movies, if you're a fan of, of martial arts, you're going to get what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And also, as for a bit of context, I, I actually, when I rewatched this movie over the past week, because I asked myself, does this movie hold up? And I actually went back and watched the <laughs> No Retreat, No Surrender, Ooh. just just to, uh, to get a feel of um, because I know that this was um, Van Damme's first starring role as a you know as as a lead. He was a bad guy on No Retreat, No Surrender, and I went back to watch No Retreat, No Surrender, and I couldn't even watch more than ten <laughs> minutes of it. It was really bad. It was really bad. So so that so that for me just um, told me you know it was good. Nice. Yeah, I I I sort of agree. I think it did, did hold up quite a lot. The Acting, I didn't realize because I haven't watched it for since like the the early nineties. So I watched it a whole heap as a kid, and then yeah, sort of about ninety four, ninety five. I stopped watching it for since now, and the acting is really bad. I was shocked at how bad it was. And one one of the interesting things I found with the movie is like Van Damme, he got stuck in this, this sort of storyline. So he did the quest, which was another movie, very similar storyline to Bloodsport, and he did Lionheart as well, which is another similar storyline. So I actually liked Lionheart the best. I thought that was the the best version of this type of fighting tournament style movie. Um, the fight scenes, I'll say, in um, in Bloodsport are really good. That makes it really interesting. And so I'll, I'll give it a pass. I will actually give it a pass just because, you know, like you talked about the foreshadowing, uh, the flashbacks, all the rest of it, the writing in particular. It's, it's actually really good for, for a martial arts movie. And, and, yeah, the fight scenes are still amazing. If you can get past the bad acting, which it was hard for me to do, I will admit, um, the movie the movie's not too bad. The movie still holds up pretty strong. Not not as strong as the Commando one that we did. I thought that that's a movie I could still watch multiple times. But you no, know, Bloodsport's one of those sort of um, guilty pleasures. Those guilty pleasure type movies are uh, Bloodsport. So yeah, I'll, I'll give it a pass. Me man. Um, before we finish up, I know we keep referring to it as a true story. The internet, as amazing as it is, has ability to um, reveal the truth somehow. Uh, Frank Dukes, if we go back to some of the stats at the end of the film, where he's standing at the top of the stairs ready to board the plane, uh, Mr. Dukes's records flash across the screen. It says that he was the committee champion from uh, it was 1975 to 1980, something along those lines. Fastest knockout, 
I think the, I'm not too sure. I didn't write down um, how many wins. Stace, did you write down how many wins um, he had? I did. I did write that down. He had 300. Oh, sorry. He, I just said he had 329 matches. Uh, that, that, was, that was the only part. I got. I tried to write them all down. And he, he I think he had 75. Uh, yeah, in, in, from 1975 to 1980, he was undefeated. So 329 matches, 329, 229 wins, which you'd have to have a sh- shitload of contestants to get that many <laughs> wins in just, you know, that five-year period because there's only one one tournament every five years. So that's 329 wins across, you know, two tournaments. So you, you, that's 160-odd fights per tournament, you know. That's a lot of fights across a three-day tournament, you know. So the, the maths, the maths is, um, makes it already pretty unbelievable. But, um, yeah, uh, one other thing I found which – which is quite interesting. They found this quote um, from the real Frank Dukes, and this is what he says about how he was in, got into the Kumite at the start. So this is what he says. My involvement in the tournament was part of a plan launched in 1975 to infiltrate the criminal organizations that organized the fights. The original idea was to participate in the Kumite tournament and make a few contacts. We initially assumed I would lose, but eventually I became the best, one of the best Kumite fighters to ever participate in the event. <laughs> so he was saying like he was sort of an undercover CIA operative sort of thing, which they talk about, you know, in the movie, how he's this um, sort of army guy and all the rest of it. But yeah, it turns out it was all, it was all eats. Um, it was all a figment of this guy's imagination. So there's a lot of eats in there. Which is unfortunate because it was a good story. And there was also stories of him like hiring those um, uniforms, the army uniforms to take photo with. Yes, the cost- yes. costume. <laughs> That's um, yeah. Someone called him out because he yeah apparently he was, said he was some decorated army army guy, and they, and they talk about that in the movie. You know how they they've got Forrest Whitaker over there trying to get him back, saying, "Hey, look, uh, Uncle Sam's invested a lot in you. We can't afford you to get hurt. Like he's some sort of super soldier or something." But um, yeah, he got his photo taken with a lot of people, and he's wearing all these army uniforms. And then someone pointed out that all those medals were in the wrong order and they were back to front and stuff. So yeah, I think he just went down to first scene down the road there and hired out some costumes for his photos. But yeah, it's just one each story to the next. So um, mm. yeah, there's like there's quite a few. I mean, there's just too many to name. It's funny, like how we based it they said it's based on a true story and he said the initial kumite that he went to was in the bahamas if he's right. going to go to to the bahamas and they're going to try and hold a secret karate tournament i'm pretty sure that you'd notice at least 400 people coming onto the island at once <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the bahamas you know i don't i'm sure there would be a few alarm bells ringing um and janice the reporter would have picked up in a few more stories because apparently for him to have that many fights you'd have there'd have to be over I don't want to repeat the number because it's just too much. But over, um, was that like a million people would have had to be at the tournament or some some crazy yeah, stuff like that? Yeah, especially if it was, um, yeah, it would have a, to be for a knockout one. Eh? If they did it as a knockout, yeah, a knockout and you're out type scenario, which I was kind of alluding to. But yeah, 329 wins is a stat at the end across those two tournaments. So it's pretty, pretty impressive. <laughs> But the, one of the best stories I heard, which was from Frank Duke, so you know when you win the Kumite, like um, Tanaka, how he got one of those swords. So if you win the Kumite, you got the sword. And he said that uh, he sold one of his swords because he was trying to get these orphans that were in trouble. So he, he could get them free to use the money to free some orphans that were in some sort of dire issues. So I thought, oh, my God, there's no bounds to this guy's he'd say. But <laughs> I'll give him credit for having the balls to just go to the movie studio and say, hey, I want you to tell my life story even though it's all eats, you know. Well, like the balls on the guy, you know. Well, the guy that um, actually wrote the script, um, he said he had known him for a little bit. So he, had, Frank, had been sharing his stories with him. He had been kind of um, 
writing down all the stuff that Frank had, and like, he said he found him interesting, and like I guess he didn't find um, a reason to not believe him. And like, I guess when you have, you know, when you're caught up, I guess he might have been caught up, and man, this would be an amazing story to write about. Like that's why they initially changed it from um, it being in the Bahamas to Hong Kong, because it's given more of that um, right. that feel, like you know, kung fu, like martial arts feel. You know, it's based in Asia. You're gonna have all the best fighters coming there. But it's kind of like um, when you have people following, I know this is a reference back to, um, what's that scene in um, Unforgiven? Where there's that reporter, he's following around, um, mm. was it Wild Bill? Or one of those guys? And he just he's just writing down the guy, you know, he's, the guy's making up stories and he's just following and writing them. And, and like, because this guy's just being eats, but he's just so caught up trying to um, write everything down. It, it seems like this is what happened yep. to that to the writer because he, he must have truly believed in what Frank Dukes had to say. And he just thought, okay, yep. I'm going to write a story on you, man, because, you know, you seem pretty legit. And I'm not going to do the do the numbers till later and figure out that, <laughs> that, you, that you can't even get the medals right on a, on, a, on an army uniform. That was sort of a sad realization because, like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, like that was what drew me into the movie was the fact that this was a true story. And there was actual real Frank Dukes and he did all these amazing things and he – you could do all that, like you know, it's not a, you know, it's based on on facts. So I was, that's what was one of the things that really drew me in. So when I learned all this stuff, that sort of sucked the wind out of the sails for me a little bit in regards to the movie. But it's still enjoyable, still love it. I got a question for you guys. Um, top three uh, Van Damme movies, Stace. Um, I'll put Kickboxer still at number one. Plus, what's good? That's close. I'll put that in. Um, actually, I'll put that in third. I, I like uh, Universal Soldier at second. Nice. Is, is that a Van Damme film or a Dolph Lundgren film? Yeah, that's a good point, eh? That's a real good point. Um, he's in got... it, but, and I like it, so I'll, I'll give him credit for it. I'll give him credit for it. <laughs> How about you guys? My one would be Bloodsport. This isn't any order. Kickboxer has to be. That has to be the top two. And I, I liked um, Cyborg. I thought Cyborg was... Um, it's kind of an underrated film for me. Uh, Van Damme was. Yeah. I like the premise of it. It's kind of like a Mad Max kind of, like the times, you know, like kind of an apocalypse after the apocalypse or something. So, um, yeah, that's that's my top three. Cams? Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you guys, I, but I'll put mine in order. I'll put Kickboxer number one, Bloodsport number two, and I'll put Cyborg number three. Man, that, nice. that, that sounds like two of the films will, like, because we're going to keep this going, man. Like, Kickboxer, that's another one, like, when we break that one down. I, I think this is the one where Van Damme's acting gets better and the actors in Kickboxer are better, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's a step up. Like, Bloodsport, Bloodsport was was like a kind of, a, like, a warm-up a warm for Van Damme. I think Kickboxer is where, like, that's prime Van Damme where... He gets a lot of guys in, and I think they learn from Bloodsport. Like, okay, not too many bit players, but like we can make this, you know, like uh, we get some good actors in around him. So after Bloodsport, uh, Van Damme had a good run. Um, here's another question, guys. Um, so a few guys. When did Van Damme start to fall off? What what movie was his, like, Jump the Shark sort of movie? For me, it's Street Fighter. Yep. I think Street oh, Fighter was quite late, wasn't it? Yeah, well, no, if you, so I think if we look up his, the movies leading up to that, I think he has Double Impact, he has um, Lionheart, Kickboxer, um, I think he might have another one in between. I think straight after Street Fighter, he has Double Team with Dennis Rodman, right? So yeah. Street Fighter is where he kind of, cause, because the premise of Street Fighter it had the potential to be, like, you know, when, because it was, a, it was a craze, you know? Street Fighter, like, the, if they'd done it the, the formula properly, that was a sure hit. 
But when they try to make it like that's a that's kind of a, an example of taking a simple premise or simple idea and just overthinking it. Like they changed all the characters, they changed the guy, they made Ihonda and Balrog these movie, these cameraman kind of guys, and 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 that's when I thought, oh, Van Damme's character sucks. You know, he's not. This is a bit where they try to actually make him act too much, and then from then on, it just wasn't the same. Well, that's for me, uh, and that's why I guess I, I hold up his early stuff before that. I think after that, he doesn't really have anything big besides maybe the quest. Which is a pretty short film as well, and it's just based on another. It's pretty much based on Bloodsport. Yep. How are you, this? Yeah, I'm just having a look. I'm not sure when that Street Fighter came out, but when I remember that double team, and I was off. I was off the Van Damme wagon <laughs> not long after that. So that was. I'm um, just looking at it now. Double team was in nine, 1997. That's not bad, Because eh? when you consider their Bloodsport, what, what year was Bloodsport coming out? 1988. It's had a good decade there, but um, yeah, after that, you know, he really sunk into some B grade stuff after that, and well he, was yeah, B, well, he was B grade, but then he just went B minus. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it, it kind of went. He went to C. He went to yeah, C. exactly. He started a bit more action and less less martial arts, and it wasn't, you oh, know, his true. acting couldn't. Yeah, I actually um, skipped um, Street Fighter. I remember when Street Fighter came out, and I just ignored it because uh, I knew it was going to be a really good movie. I actually watched them until Maximum Risk came out. <laughs> Oh. And for me, Maximum Risk, that was my... It's got to end, man. Yeah, i got to start watching this guy, man. Maximum Risk, yeah. is that the one where he's at an ice hockey or something? Where he climbs? No, that's um, Sudden Death oh. ice hockey one. Actually, no. I thought there's one of the later movies. I think, what's the John Woo one? Hard oh, Target? Hard Target. That, that was all right. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I thought the dialogue and, you know, anything... Because that's a John Woo film, eh? Yeah. And just the dialogue on that, and just the choices he makes in that movie, like where he's got the mullet, the singlet, and the coat, you know, and just some of the dialogue where his, you know, his name's Chance, you know, that's the one thing I remember about that. Yeah. But I guess that's what you know, like you'd think, oh, John Woo, man, he's gonna. That, that's a, probably a movie I, I could watch again, but that's probably one of the latest ones I'd probably tolerate. Um, every, everything else besides that, oh, Time Cop, maybe. But like uh, Stace oh. was referring, what like what Stace was referring to was like he had gone from martial arts to action to action. That's what not initially drew drew me to, to watching his films was all of his martial arts. I mean, you see him doing his action films. Besides Universal Soldier, you know. Yeah, yeah, good point, man. I agree. He's, I think he's still going. Is he still doing movies? <laughs> Who knows? Good to catch one of his latest ones. Well, I saw him. They kind of had that movie, um, that JCVD. And it was kind of like a serious one. He got like really good reviews about his acting because I think he was kind of playing a character of himself or some. Oh yeah, yeah, I watched it. That was actually pretty good. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. And so the man's still going, mm. and um, he's yeah. still appearing in TV ads. I think he, he was on one of the Super Bowl ads where he's doing the splits. So the man, he's still, <laughs> the man's still, still holding on. <laughs> What's the problem? Well, boys, uh, that was a pretty intense uh, episode. I feel like I've just come through the Kumite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, some of the training that we've just done. Yeah, man, um, Bloodsport. Because we've had um, Commando and uh, we've had Bloodsport, I don't know if this is the time to talk about which movie comes out on top. We'll, we'll save that till we get another couple of action movies under the uh, under our belt and uh, have a little bit of a vote-off, but... Uh, I can give you my vote now if you want. Sweet. Oh, Commander. Yeah. Yeah. Stace? Yep. Yeah, I'll go Commander. 
both good movies, but the acting, the acting is, <laughs> I got put up in my thing. It's hard for me to get past the big great acting. Commando is acting still at least a great. So yeah. regardless of what you think of the premise of the movie and when, the older you get, the more, the less, the more you appreciate better acting. Eh? Like as a kid, you didn't really care, but now as you're older, you think, shit, man, can't sit through this big great stuff anymore. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, actually, no, you're right. So coming out of the first two, our first fight of the Kumite, Commando, <laughs> Commando takes out the oh, first no. round. Um, we'll, uh, so we'll, sure enough, we're going to have a few more episodes of um, some of the movies that we love and that we were brought up on. I just want to thank everyone for um, listening or downloading our, this podcast of the Late, late Returns film review i just want to plug um if you guys want to go back to listen to the commando film review we did jump on the back of the 135 podcast and it's episode 62 yeah man that was uh yeah that that was an awesome one i you know can't wait for you guys to hear it so uh thank you stacy for joining us cheers always a pleasure boys appreciate it thank you cams um brother thanks man it's been awesome thank you everyone um Yep, talk to you soon. Let us. Bye. Bye.